Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ in sunny but chilly Missoula, Montana. Joining me like he does each week is the co-host of this program, Mr. Stone Lebanowitz. Stone is coming to you from the sunshine state of Florida. Well, Stone, last week of the regular season, and you know what? One of the things I really love about the FCS is that we got an awful lot of games still this week that make a whole lot of difference to a whole lot of people to make the playoffs, playoff seeding. We still got plenty to talk about, brother. Yeah, biggest week of the season right now. A lot of good games on the slate, ready to break them down. But first, as we always do, Got to recap a few of them. Up first, number one, South Dakota State 34, number 18, Youngstown State 0. Stone, a lot of people are, you know, saying there's a huge gap between South Dakota State and everybody else. I tend to agree with that. And I just, I mean, Youngstown State put a lot of good things on tape last several weeks. They just came in there and got blitzkrieg by the Jackrabbits, bro. Yeah, listen, the Jacks need a new mascot because I don't think bunnies give out ass weapons like these guys do. I mean, this train is a chugging. 490 yards of total offense. Didn't even put Youngstown State on the board through four quarters. I don't know what else there is to say at this point. I don't really know how to even break down their games. It all looks the same. They'll smack you upside the head, whether it's the first quarter or the fourth, first string, second string, third string, or they're bringing in guys off the bench who have never played before. They're still going to run it up on you. Jack's rolling, scariest team in the FCS. Granowski, 19 completions, 295 yards, three touchdowns. And Isaiah Davis, 130 yards on the ground, a touchdown average, almost seven yards a carry. That is scary, scary stuff, Stone. When a quarterback can throw for 300 yards, or you could just run the ball and get seven yards a play. Weber State, 31, number two, Idaho, 29. This was a head-scratcher stone. Neither of us saw this coming. The Vandals have not looked good the last couple of weeks. They started off quicker this time, which had been a problem for them, right? Went up 10 to nothing. But Weber State, new freshman quarterback back there playing, second start, and their defense was good too. Uh, Weber State, I think this is what we thought they were going to be coming into week one. It just took them all season to get there. Yeah, that's actually really accurate. I could not have said it any better myself. We definitely flopped on this one. I think the Vandals flopped more than we did, though. But I remember picking Idaho last week. I had them in the 40s. I think I kept Weber State somewhere in the low 20s, maybe the teens. That uh, obviously did not happen. Weber State with an awesome win. Doesn't really mean much for them. They were playing spoiler, and they did just that. Bumped Idaho back a little bit. But this game at one point was tied at 21 with six to go in the third, and it was at that moment where I said, Okay, that's all they needed. They felt him out. Here goes the Idaho offense. Giovanni McCoy will take control of this thing. That did not happen. It turned into an actual football game. The sport is going to be the sport. Football never changes. They took a Vandal punt down to the 12 after it was tied up. Scored, got a stop, and that was enough for them. Big win for Weber State. Good look at the freshman quarterback like you had mentioned. I also wanted to shout him out, but Idaho's got some figuring out to do. But good luck there in the playoffs. I don't think they really care where they're in the playoffs either. They're dangerous enough. They're good enough offensively to beat whoever lines up across from them. Seen some bracketology. Maybe they have North Dakota State in that first second round depending on what goes on uh, I'm excited for that if that's the case uh, I think Idaho is scary but they do have to figure and iron out some of those details because there's been a lot of mistakes for them the past few weeks Wildcats senior Winston Reed had a hell of a day 17 tackles uh, he also had one and a half tackles for a loss of forced fumble two quarterback hurries and a pass breakup that's a hell of a day for that fine defender from Weber State Winston Reed number three Montana State 57 Eastern Washington 14 Stone there's not much you can say about this one Sean Chambers played nine plays and accounted for five touchdowns yeah <laughs> That's what you're going to get. Uh, Sean Chambers is a dude. This is a woodshed alert here. Uh, early and often, we're scoring on Eastern Washington. It was odd to see an Eastern Washington team, or it is odd, I should say, in 2023 that I can only put up 14 points. But that's what the Bobcats' defense will do. They're stout. they got guys all over the place. And when they're running the ball really well, you just can't beat them. 
531 total yards for the Cats, 276 through the air and 256 on the ground. That'll get it done. Number four, Montana, 34, Portland State, 10. Well, Portland State went right down the field, went up 3 to nothing, and that was the highlight of the game for the Vikings, Stone. Yeah, check this one out. 1,000 yards of total offense in two combined games for the Grizz. I, I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. I love this squad. Montana's Clifton McDowell. He's a gangster. He's a dog. He's a savage. He's a dude. Stud, stud, muffin, etc., etc. This is a 91 squad that plays with bad intention. How has these guys rolling right now? When I sat down with Clifton McDowell in the Stone Cold quarterback segment about a month ago, how much are you guys behind Hauk right now? You believe in everything that he's preaching, and it was just full-fledged, yes, 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 sir, from Clifton, and he's showing that. He's a leader of this squad right now. When he's playing well, they're a tough team to beat. Love some Grizz. Number five, Furman, 37, VMI, 13. No huff, no puff, no problem for the Furman Paladins there, Stone. Carson Jones was outstanding, 16 completions, 226 yards, and oh yeah, four touchdowns. Nice day for backup quarterback Carson Jones for the Furman Paladins. Yeah, and those four touchdowns that you speak of came in the first half. Mr. Jones exited this game in the third quarter, didn't even play the fourth. It was phenomenal stuff. One of the balls that I saw was a wheel route to the tight end, looked like they tried to slip him out, set up in a blocking stance, and, and wheeled up, and Carson Jones hit him back shoulder on a dime and a rope. It was beautiful stuff. This Furman team's really good. I think it'll honestly help them moving forward that they played a few games without Tyler Huff. They realized that they don't necessarily have to lean on him as much as they did. We know what Tyler was able to do with his legs, but for this Furman team to win games in different ways, I think was much needed for them with the playoffs on the horizon. We take a lot of slack for going to bat for these Furman guys, but hopefully they prove us right in, in a few weeks because this team's scary. They're well-rounded. They played really good defensively. And they put good things on tape all year, and they got the playmakers to really, really hurt you. So Paladin's rocking and rolling right now, baby. And here are the FCS Nation Radio National Players of the Week, brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. The Offensive Player of the Week, Demir Miller from Monmouth. 11 catches for 333 yards and two touchdowns. That's right, 11 catches, 333 yards, y'all. That's a day. The National Defensive Player of the Week is Khalil Dawsey from Delaware. He had two tackles, two interceptions, and a 105-yard interception return for a touchdown. And that was a huge play in that ball game versus Campbell. Congratulations to these two fine players for being selected as FCS Nation Radio National Players of the Week, brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. And I hold in my hand this week's FCS Nation Radio Top 25. Number one, South Dakota State. Number two, Montana State. Number three, Montana Grizzlies. Number four, the Furman Paladins. And rounding out the top five, South Dakota. Number six, Albany, falling to number seven, Idaho. Number eight, Delaware, fighting Blue Hens. Number nine, Western Carolina. And falling to number 10, North Carolina Central. Number 11, Sacramento State. Number 12, the Chattanooga Mox. Number 13, Villanova. Number 14, North Dakota. And rounding out the top 15, the North Dakota State Bison. Number 16, Florida A&M. Rising to 17, the Mercer Bears. Falling to 18, Northern Iowa. Rising to 19, Austin P. Falling to 20, Southern Illinois. Number 21, Tennessee Mark. 22, Youngstown State. 23, Tarleton State. 24, Central Arkansas. And rounding out the FCS Nation Radio Top 25, the Gardner-Webb Running Bulldog. It's time for us to take a quick break. Coming up next, the mailbag segment. I know you'll want to hang out for that. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network.
Well, the boys are back and better than ever. Welcome into the FCS Week 12 mailbag segment. Right after the recap segment, Kev, you get peppered with questions from our Twitter followers. We open it up to everybody. Don't hold back. Give us anything you got. I'm going to force it upon Kev, whether he likes it or not. Kev, you ready to jump right in? Let's go, brother. All right, might as well just rip the Band-Aid off, Kev. This one from CJ Ekman. If Montana beats Montana State, will you finally show the Grizz some respect? I don't know, Stone. When is being ranked number three in the country disrespectful? respectful <laughs> what are there a uh, hundred and twenty something other teams that would love to be ranked number three in the country you know and and people have said you know, you've harped on the northern arizona loss the fact that they struggled at home against a pioneer league team and a division two league team i don't know if harping on it is mentioning it you know maybe i harped on it a little bit i don't know man i don't know what harp means i i know you can play it and uh, i just don't think that uh that i've been a grizz hater i haven't been i live 25 miles from the football stadium i go to more Grizz games than I do any other FCS team. But man, I'll tell you what, I must really be a hater if I go there and I root for them to lose every week or something. <laughs> you know, but but look, the, the thing about this Grizzly football team, it's the Clifton McDowell effect. Once they inserted him as the starter, it is amazing the difference in this Grizzly football team. He lit a fire under them, not only on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball too, because those guys didn't feel like they had to put a shutout to win anymore. You know, they could make a mistake or two because they knew their offense could bail them out, and that's led to excellent play for about, what, the last six, seven weeks for Montana. They're a different team than they were early in the season, but those results still do matter. And ranking in number three in the country, I think, is hardly disrespectful or the actions of a Grizz hater, bro. All right, moving right along here. This one from Scott Flanagan. Are you sick of Grizz fans yet? (laughs) No, because I live around them. Some of my best friends are Grizz fans. You know, uh, heck, the guy who comes to Frisco with me every year, uh, Joel Johnson, he's a Grizz fan. So no, I'm not. I'm not sick of them. I want them to do well, and you're gonna have to hang out for the pick segment to see how well we think they're gonna do this week. Don't go anywhere. That's coming up in just a little bit. All right, keeping the train of chugging here. This one from Shia Labridge. Can a seven and four Holy Cross team snag an at-large bid? Two FBS losses, two ranked losses. Does four straight Patriot League titles, having a Walter Payton candidate, and last year's playoff performance grant them the benefit of the doubt? I don't think so, and I just don't think we're going to see two Patriot League teams in the playoffs this year. That happened last year uh, when the committee chairman was the athletic director of a Patriot League institution. Not saying the fix was in, but the fix was in. And they just they just didn't do enough this year, I'm afraid. But Selection Sunday, committee, opinions, you never know. Could happen. Don't think so, but it could. All right, this one from Troy. White host of Gathering of Old Men podcast with the Miak race in chaos mode. Parentheses, never pick a fight with the bison on media day is the moral of this story. Do you think North Carolina Central will get a playoff spot? I don't think they want one. I mean, it's crazy to think that playing for uh, the FCS National Championship could be a consolation prize, but they've had Atlanta circled, right, since uh, spring practice, you know, or probably since, you know, they won the Celebration Bowl last year. The whole goal was get back to Atlanta. Well, they're going to need some help this week, and, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to get it, but I think they're a playoff team if that falls on them, and I think they're a team with that quarterback, Davis Richard, who nobody's going to want to see if they get in the field stone. So they'll probably keep one of those seven-win teams, uh, who we probably think is pretty deserving. Probably looking at you, Chattanooga. Probably going to keep them out. But North Carolina Central, that's a good football team. Nobody's going to want to see them in the bracket. All right, shout out Patrick Kessler for this one. What seed do you think Western Carolina will receive if they beat VMI and end up at 8-3? and three? 
I don't believe they'll get a seed, but they'll be in the field. I don't think the SOCON is there yet to where we're going to see multiple seeds from that conference. Uh, I think they'll get in. I think Mercer will get in. I think Chattanooga is, man, that that bubble is just about ready to burst under them, which is sad because that's a good football team. I don't see Western getting a seed unless a whole lot of funny things happen. How good is Sac State or how bad is Sac State? This one from at Swank Fire on Twitter. I don't believe Sac State's very good, and and I'll tell you why. Quarterback issues have plagued them all season. Now they've inserted the young freshman in there and they've looked better. But just about the time that they get their offense looking like you know, it knows what it's doing. They're having problems with giving up a ton of points. The Grizz scored 34 on them. Cal Poly scored 30 on them last week. I think this is a team that uh, just isn't very good, and we'll see what happens in the Causeway Classic this week against UC Davis. Let's go back to the well here, Kev, at AZ Grizz fan. Dissolution 2024. Stay with me now. Why your continued hatred of the Grizz and denial that they're at worst the second best team in the country? You know, I know this guy personally. He's a really good dude known him for a while i'm not a grizz hater i think we covered that earlier uh, i'm just not preach brother preach last but not least at joe boyd at boyd joe 1997 on twitter on x whatever the hell you call it what does william and mary need to do to take the next step it's what a lot of teams need to do to make that next step stone you need to go find you a quarterback a really good quarterback who is mobile who can throw the ball run the ball and be dangerous you know they thought they had that but William & Mary runs a really, really good and hard-to-stop offense, but it hasn't been all that hard to stop this year, has it? So, you know, they just need a dynamic playmaker at the quarterback position. Maybe they have him on the roster, the red shirt, but we hadn't seen him, have we? So um, I think they need to hit the recruiting trail, go find them somebody there in the Tidewater, which is loaded with guys like that. Go find you a good quarterback, and William & Mary will be right back up there at the top of the CAA. All right, that will do it for the Week 12 Mailbag segment. Obviously, a lot more questions than I could have asked Kev. Keep it coming each and every week, guys. We love your questions. We love the interaction. We just want to chat, hang out, talk, and then kind of give you guys what you're looking for in some of these answers, and I hope Kevin did just that. But stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to preview these games. It's a chock-full slate. Kev's got a few underdogs that he's eyeing that he thinks have a chance to pull off an upset. So like I said, hang with us when we come back. It's the preview segment. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. And we're back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for the preview segment. This is where Stone Lebanowitz and I take a quick trip all over FCS Nation and preview the biggest games taking place in FCS football. Stone, last week of the regular season, there are some doozies on here. Let's get to it. Missouri State's at number one, South Dakota State. Stone, we saw what most state did to Northern Iowa last week. Can they do the same thing to the Jackrabbits? They can't. Short answer, they cannot. Um, I don't even know how to preview their game anymore talking about the jackrabbits here every result has looked similar every box score stat line is all looks similar there's been no difference between their play doesn't matter who it is doesn't matter when it is does not matter where it is this team's gonna line it up and and take you to the woodshed it's what they do uh, obviously we're big fans of the jacks and what they do but what you asked me first was can missouri state do it again the answer is no. They just can't. I don't think they're fishing enough offensively to hurt these guys through 60 minutes. I think South Dakota State runs away with this one, opens things up in the second quarter. Uh, they'll win this game by double digits here. No sweat for the Jacks. Well, the Jackrabbits win 
this one. Then you get a week off in the bye for the playoffs, and then you're going to play again in two weeks. So I think you really want to try to be sharp here, don't you, Stone? When you have that bye facing you, it's a great thing to have, but you really want to be sharp here. Start fast and just get Mo State out of this thing and go on about your business to try to meet destiny down in Frisco, Texas. Number two, Montana State's at number three, Montana in the Brawl of the Wilds. Stone, that's a big game here in my neck of the woods on Saturday. Yeah, a little advice for everybody here. Get your popcorn, sit in your recliner, get some beer, then get more popcorn, then get more beer, and, and, and tell your wife, your honey, your gal, your guy, hey, don't matter. We don't discriminate over here. Don't bother me, babe. The Brawl of the Wild is on. I'm pretty damn excited for this. I myself haven't been able to experience it in person, and I swear, I've been home from school about two years now. I really haven't had the experience in watching this game. I wasn't too familiar with the big sky with these two teams when I was playing ball in the Missouri Valley for Southern Illinois, but finally I'm invested in it. Uh, I like both sides a lot. Uh, I love the identity of both of these squads. I'm just excited to see them butt face masks because there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> there's a lot underneath this one. Twitter obviously has been going crazy this week. Both fan bases think their team should be favored. Montana fans think their team should be ranked higher. There's been just so much chatter. I'm ready to shut it all down and get this game played so everybody can just figure out who's better, whether it's marginal, whether it's by a wide margin, and just get these two teams into the playoffs because enough talk. Well, look, man, last year I was on the sidelines in Bozeman, and that's about as cold as I've ever been, right? It was it was bad there. Uh, college game day was there. It was something else, man. But one thing Montana State did is on the first series, they opened up holes that were as wide as the Bitterroot Valley Stone. And, you know, that's being a bit facetious, but not much. Montana ran through them like Sherman went through Georgia last year. It wasn't close. That ball game was over with on like the fourth play. And even the most partisan on both sides would have to say that, you know, that was just not a football game after the fourth or fifth play when you saw that was going to go on all day. Are the Grizz any better up front this year than they were last year? Yes. Are the Bobcats as good as they were up front last year? Maybe. Maybe not. It's going to be a much better football game, I think. But I know where I'm leaning on this one. But you're going to have to wait to the pick segment to find out for sure. Number four, Furman is at Walford. You not much to see here. SmackDown City. Furman looked good last week. Doesn't really matter who's behind center at this moment in time. Walford really has nothing to play for here, so it's a tough spot for them. I like Furman to continue to roll. They, more so than South Dakota State, have to just come into this one and be sharp. Keep everybody healthy. Understand what your ultimate goal is. South Dakota State, on the other hand, needs to know that Missouri State views their game as a Super Bowl. I don't think Wofford necessarily views this game as their Super Bowl right now, so Furman just got to be sharp. Get guys in and out of the lineup and get this one over with. 60 minutes, try to make it as quick as possible. Well, Green and Spartanburg not far apart, right? Right down the interstate. So these guys know each other. They see each other in their communities all off season, even during the season. You know, so there's some familiarity here, right? But Wofford is not good. Furman is. And if you're Furman, I think, look, you're, you've made your thing this year not embarrassing people, not putting up 50 burgers, right? I think this week may be a little different. They want that number two national seed, and you can't let Wofford hang around. You need to pour it on the Wofford Terriers this week. I think Furman's going to do just that. Number five, South Dakota is at Western Illinois. This is a sleeper. Um, I'll make sure to use this game to get my nap in. I don't really know how much of a fight Western's going to put up. South Dakota, yes, does have a lot to play for. They've solidified themselves as a top 10 team in the country, creeped into our number five here. Excited to see what offensive production they have. Bauman's kind of falling in and out of rhythms, but when he's in one, it's a scary quarterback, and that's a scary offense who can do a lot of different damage in a lot of different ways. But, I mean, Western's the team that really provides nothing, no threat offensively and defensively. They haven't been efficient on either side of the ball right now, so I expect this scoreline to be lopsided and uh, Yotel roll big time here, Kev. Look, if you're South Dakota, you haven't looked good on offense recently, have you? Including last week. No. I mean, you had to, you had to come back and – 
and beat North Dakota. And that's another team that, you know, offense is, you know, okay. But South Dakota needs to put some things up there. They need to get out of their own way offensively. They need to get to 30 points in this ballgame, Stone. And I'll feel a whole lot better about them if they can blow out Western Illinois going further. This is a sneaky good game next. Monmouth is at number six, U Albany. Yeah, two solid offenses, but Albany has a better defense. I think that's as simple as this one gets in regards to previewing it. I think this Albany defense will step up, whether it's third, fourth quarter. But there will be fireworks offensively. There will be some big shot plays, a lot of explosive plays all over the place, whether it's in the air or on the ground. I'm excited in watching this one, actually, because both of these teams have expectations. Both of these teams consider themselves really good, and I think Albany more so. And I know where you're going to go with this one, Kev. Albany now is getting a little bit of pub people have faith in them how can you handle that so you take the floor because i do think that's what's at stake here albany now has seen themselves in a lot of people's top tens number six on our top 25 list so now there's expectations can you handle those i think they can and the offense is going to be just fine but that defense that you mentioned man that front seven stone we've been watching them since the fordham game they just jump out at you on tape those are some dudes and they can get enough pressure on the quarterback and when you don't have to blitz that leaves you numbers in the defensive backfield against those fine Monmouth wide receivers, they have a few. I expect Albany to, like you said, third, fourth quarter, put the clamps down, kind of wear Monmouth out. We'll see. Idaho State at number seven, Idaho. This one's also sneaky good, Stone. Idaho State, they can get up and down the football field. And Idaho's looked offensively challenged the last couple of weeks against teams that aren't particularly good. Idaho State isn't particularly good on defense. But if this turns into a shootout, Idaho could be in some trouble here, Stone LeBanowitz. Hey, I hear you, but at the same time, I do disagree. I think this is a beautiful bounce back spot for Idaho, and I've said that in last week's game too. I thought Weaver was a good opponent to kind of take some frustration out, but I don't necessarily call Idaho a bear when using the analogy, don't poke the bear, but two back-to-back weeks where you've been lackluster, uh, Giovanni McCoy has not been himself, so don't poke the spider in a spot like this. Idaho offensively has eight different legs they can stand on, they can do so much, and they're going to throw everything they have at Idaho State because this game means a lot. They'll be in the Kibbe Dome. Eck wants them to fill the Kibbe Dome. I think they do just that. Animosity between these two fan bases too. Twitter's going to be a fun place to live on Saturday when these two teams kick off. I'm excited for this, but I do think Idaho wins this game by double digits. It's just too good of a bounce back spot for me not to take advantage of. And I'm glad that there is some, you know, some hard feelings coming back into this ball game. You know, because Idaho for so long when they were up at the next level, and it took them a few years after they even came back to our level to quit looking at what Boise State does. It doesn't matter what Boise State does anymore. You're not going to play them anymore. Idaho State, they look at that and go, man, we feel disrespected. What about us? We're going to find out if those hard feelings translate into good play on the field. Number 13, Villanova is at number eight, Delaware. Stone, I don't believe anybody ever in the history of SES football has known less about an eight and two team than the rest of the country knows about number 13, Villanova. They've been under the radar all season. Boy, that's an understatement. I'm glad to put it out there too, especially on a show that's over 70 different radio stations and a handful of markets all over the country. They do need to take some notice in this Nova squad because they can play ball. Last week at the regular season, it's time to get sloppy in the CAA. Most people need to consider this, that this game right here could determine who each of these teams play and where they play come playoffs. I'll be tuned in to find that out, but I think Delaware wins this game, Kev. And there's one more we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. It's going to go a long way towards that too, which is Richmond at William and Mary, the Capital Cup game. You know, that's something that, I mean, th- this could be a huge mess in the CAA, it right? It could, it could. Coin flips, uh, relative humidity at kickoff, uh, you know, mother's maiden name 
where it ends up first in the alphabet. Those are not all tiebreakers, but it gets pretty down to minutiae. The tiebreaker list for the CAA conference title is about as long as your arm, Stone. So, I mean, if you're if you're Delaware, you want to go ahead and win this ballgame, not have to deal with any of that. Number nine, Western Carolina is at Virginia Military Institute. Yeah, I think Western Carolina here, Kev, has finally flipped the switch again. It was on, then it was off, then it was on again. Uh, the past few months, they've been trying to find out their identity, soul search a little bit, get back on track offensively. They did just that. I think it was the exact dosage of medicine that they needed. Cole Gonzalez, smiles in his face. Desmond Reed, I'm sure he's getting healthier and healthier. This team's really good. They can beat anybody on any given Saturday. I, I look forward to this game against the VMI, but at the same time, not so much because it'll probably last about a quarter. So I'll be tuned in for that first quarter. And other than that, uh, not much to see. I think Western Carolina rolls here. VMI doesn't have the pass defense. I don't believe to keep this close for very long. This should be all catamounts. But you know what? The SOCON, it's SOCON, so you just don't really ever know. Delaware State's at number 10, North Carolina Central. Stone, I I think I've seen some mad football teams before. I don't think we're ever going to see one that is as angry as North Carolina Central is when they take the field this week after what happened to them last week. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I had Boomstick, Dynamite, D-Rich on the beat. I I think this team's really pissed off. I think they have a point to prove. So many question marks, right? They're going to play Celebration Bowl playoffs or whatever it's going to be however that gets situated uh, i don't think north carolina central cares they they've broken down enough delaware state film to know that they can beat them and they'll beat them badly and they'll beat them by a lot of points uh, i like the eagles in a spot like this d rich go ahead kid Number 11, Sacramento State is at UC Davis in the Causeway Classic. These two are separated by about 11 miles. Stone, this is a type of game that if you're Sac State, you got to have it, right? I mean, nobody's been real impressed with what they've done all season. But somehow they've managed to hang around right around number 10, 11, 12, 13 in the polls, maybe as high as 7 earlier in the season. And UC Davis, they're 6-4. and four. And, you know, there are people who are still talking about them maybe with an outside shot to the playoffs. Well, if you want any shot outside or inside or – you know, halfway with one foot inside, one foot outside, hokey pokey, whatever you want to do, your UC Davis got to win this one. They finally let Carson Conklin loose against Cal Poly. 41-30 victory. He had 313, three touchdowns. They, Like I said, they finally let him loose. I think that's was something that we were all looking for. They've had a weird go around the past few weeks, maybe the whole past month. Uh, they're back on track here. There's question marks everywhere in this game. You have question marks about Sac State. You have question marks about UC Davis. I do think this is a game where we get some answers here. I like Sac State in this spot. Number 12, Chattanooga is at Alabama. Yikes. Do we got to do this? I mean, yeah. I mean, let's just say Yellowhammer, Alabama, move on. <laughs> Yellowhammer, Alabama. Alabama is one of the best teams in the FBS right now, one of the hottest teams in the FBS right now. Chattanooga, here you go. Here's your piece of advice. Stay healthy. Collect your check and make sure they spell Chattanooga correctly. It's got two T's. Illinois State is at number 14, North Dakota. This one interests me, Stone, because North Dakota, they're only as good as Tommy Schuster is, and he wasn't good last week, and that's why they lost. And and Illinois State, they're not really playing for much, right? Uh, I mean, but Brock's back. He don't care. He's going to roll in there to Grand Forks. He's going to throw everything they can at the Fighting Hawks. This is going to be a very interesting ball game. Will UND win and get in the playoffs? That's we'll a good see. question. There's, there's so many things to look at, so many angles in this game, and I think we'll have more answers for you next week because UND has had a scratching our head for the past month. Uh, no idea what to think of them. You talked about it, had conversations with a few people who follow the Valley really closely that UND looked broken after they beat the Bys, and I agree with that. I think this is a spat game so much so that they beat them. Uh, I think the Redbirds, you talked about them having nothing to play for. Well, I think there'll be a different story in the Saturday. Football just means something in the Valley, and I understand fans of other conferences will roll their eyes, but Smash Mouth football, both these teams are going to lay it on the line. I think Illinois State comes out on top here. I'm excited for it. I did roll my eyes, y'all. I, I did it for everybody who had to listen to that. <laughs> 
Number 15, North Dakota State is at number 18, Northern Iowa. Well, Stone, Northern Iowa stunk last week, and we know what that usually means the week after they stink, right? <laughs> what happens the next week? They play good football. That's right. Kev, I-, I got my eyes on North Dakota State here. It's late November. We all know what that means. That's when the Bison come out of the closet, figure out how to play football again, or, or most of the time they've known how to play football. They don't have to necessarily figure it out, but I think they have. A huge win against Southern Illinois last week, got going offensively. I think they beat up on UNI. I think UNI is just a uh, deer on ice, uh, a deer on roller blades i don't know they can't figure out who the hell they are and what the hell they're doing out there i think north dakota state beats up on them we'll see I, i'm not sure i agree with you here stone but uh wait for the pick segment and you'll find out richmond is at william and mary in the capital cup stone there are some interesting stats about the capital cup here my friend and it's been played to a 64 64 and 5 record over the years it's the south's oldest rivalry you play that many times and the record is 64 64 and 5 so i would say these are two pretty evenly matched teams, right? I mean, that's the definition of that. So, you know, no love lost between these two. Richmond comes in hotter than fish grease, that's for sure. That's not just a saying. They look left for dead after week three or four. But if Richmond wins this ball game, they'll be an eight-win team, Stone. And eight-win teams from the CAA usually go where at the end of the season? That'd be the playoff. That's right. We'll see what happens. And sign me up for this one. A-, a game with a lot of question marks that fans are going to be watching solely to get answers. You talked about how messy the CAA can get. Richmond's a stone-cold bubble team. Uh, it's funny when you talk about a team being stout inside the bubble, because that's typically not how it works. You're more so waiting to see what happens with these bubble teams, what the committee thinks. Well, Richmond has everything in front of them. That's what the coach is preaching. We control our own destiny what we need to do this week game planning prepping practicing walkthroughs all of that we need to control the controllables and they have an opportunity and that's really all they need it's time for us to take a time out we come back stone will sit down with our northwestern mutual alex's lemonade stand honorary captain of the week the fine quarterback from holy cross matthew saluka we'll be right back you're listening to fcs nation on the palmetta radio network matthew saluka again maybe one of the best in the fcs he is a winner in every sense of the word. He's that dude. Only Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You were listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. We're back and we're better than ever. It's the Alex's Lemonade Stand Honorary Captain of the Week. Week 12 edition joined by two men who I'm going to introduce right this very moment. First, a friend of the show, a recurring guest, Mr. Joe Fine, the Growth and Development Director at Northwestern Mutual Boston. Joe, second time. Appreciate you joining the show. Stone, happy to be back. And alongside him, highly touted, record breaker, the signal caller for the Holy Cross Crusade. Crusaders, Mr. Matthew Saluka. Matt, your name at this point rings bells across the subdivision. Like I told Joe, I'm going to tell you, appreciate you for giving the show some time this week. Yeah, thank you for having me. Great opportunity. It's it's an awesome initiative that we're doing. Use the word opportunity. I see it as that as well. Getting athletes at the forefront of this is something we're going to talk about, but you just having your name with this and the fight against childhood cancer, I think is super Super important. Few stats here that I always throw out before we get rolling. Every day, over a thousand children worldwide are diagnosed with childhood cancer, yet, childhood cancer is consistently underfunded as compared to other types of cancer research. It is up to all of us, myself, Stone Labanowitz, you, Matt, and Mr. Joe, to put an end to that, right? Help fund research, find cures so that someday all of these children are cured. That's the ultimate goal. That, folks, is why we're here. Alex Eliminates and its foundation is changing the lives of children with cancer by funding impactful research, raising awareness, and supporting families and empowering everyone to help cure childhood cancer. Matt, you are one of many at this point. We've raised well over $7,000. Uh, 
dollars and i think when your interview goes live it's just going to skyrocket i'm a huge fan of holy cross and i hope you can get the most money donated get everybody up there at holy cross to pitch in but i always ask this when you were first approached whether it was from joe or other members of the northwestern mutual teams your feelings your first thought what was going through your head um, yeah, so I was first reached out by Joe. Um, I believe it was right after the BC game. And it was just an unbelievable experience. Um, you know, he reached out to me um, and everything that came with it, I was on board with. Um, it was just a, an amazing, you know, opportunity that he gave me and I had to take it and run. Um, you know, just to use my voice is a great, you know, great thing to do and, um, you know, use the platform to raise money and raise awareness. Using your voice is very key. I'm glad you brought that up this early. We will dive deeper into that in a second. But did you ever think you're a senior at this point? It's your last go around playing the sport at the collegiate level coming into college did you ever think you'd have a chance to make change in the childhood cancer realm it's a big deal yeah no I, definitely not um you know never really crossed my mind honestly but once i saw the opportunity from joe you know it was something i definitely was interested in um and so like i said just it's all great um you know i couldn't really turn this one down not at all just couldn't turn it down you hear that joe hey joe hopping on this one one thing we preach and follow in this initiative you guys at northwestern mutual and myself and kevin marshall here at fcs nation is having athletes at the forefront of this entire thing they're the voice they're the face two-part question here one why is that important to us having athletes the forefront and two why is matt a good fit a good face for the cause absolutely stone and, and number one uh you've mentioned a couple of times but awareness right and really we just need more people to know and understand what's going on where they can give how important it is how underfunded it is um childhood cancer the fight against it um and really uh matt has a, a pretty massive platform um just because of the amount of work that he's put in both as a student um and as an athlete uh and his ability to create more awareness around this um, is a really big deal for us. Uh, and I would say Matt specifically, one of the traits that has stood out when I talk to Matt, when I talk to people around him, uh, when I've talked to folks in the community, um, is the way people view his toughness. And I think anybody that watches him play on Saturday will know exactly what I'm talking about. He's a guy who plays through injury, who takes bumps. Um, we're going to talk about his rushing statistics and what he does on the field. But at the end of the day, what Matt, I think, inspires in people around him is that toughness. Um, and that's why he's such a great person to be partnered with. And we're really honored to have him um, partner with us and with FCS Nation Alex's Lemonade Stand. Yeah, I think if you've never seen Matt play and you watch four quarters, toughness is what you take away when trying to describe the way he plays, the way he carries himself. Joe, I'm so glad you talked about what Matthew means to the community because personally, I think having athletes at the forefront is key because of what a player like Matt means to the community, whether it's young Crusader fans in the crowd each and every Saturday, each and every game day, or even high school recruits looking to go wear the purple proudly. They'll follow Matt's lead, whatever he says, whatever he does. And I know he's a good leader at that and will do as he says. Do you have you at any point in the process of being a student athlete thought about your play and your character affecting the younger generation, Matt? Um, Yeah, absolutely. There's been times where whether it's a kid DMing me, um, you know, a kid at the game wearing my jersey or just walking around the community, seeing kids, you know, saying something that we often try and get involved in the community. You know, I've been to a lot of local elementary schools, you know, just try to do my part, do my part. I, I see kids, you know, wearing my jersey and everything. And that's really, it was a blessing. The first time I saw that, 
Um, it was an unbelievable experience. And so once I noticed that and noticed, you know, the, the power I had in the community, um, you know, it's just from there on, it's everything's looked at, everything you do, um, you know, on campus, off campus, uh, you know, you got to take it with great pride and great responsibility. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, from my perspective, from an X's and O's perspective, everybody knows Matthew for one, what he did in the playoffs last year, two, being an All-American, all the statistics that he puts out there. But Joe, you talked about what he means to the community. What are some things you've heard? What are some experiences you've had with people who surround Matt, who know who he is, what he's about? What does Matthew Saluka mean to the community surrounding Holy Cross? Look, I mean, uh, Matt is the, the the face of the Holy Cross football program. Uh, and, you know, there's not every day uh, at any school that you have some of those. Uh, some schools go decades without having a face of the program. Um, and Matt's the guy that everybody looks to. And his leadership, his work ethic, the way that he carries himself and the way that he makes the people around him better, um, that's something that everybody notices. That's something people notice uh, locally, nationally, but definitely um, in the Holy Cross community. Yeah, I bring up leadership. I bring up what you mean to the community because of how much of a leader you are. And we talked about how evident it is. You're a team captain, team MVP last year, Walter Payton Award finalist, preseason All-American. That's first team. It's evident to me. It's probably something Joe already knows. Joe, the leadership, the traits you've picked up from Matt, on the football field specifically that you like, cause you used to play the sport. What are some of those things? Yeah, look, it's um, I, I think the, the best part about leadership is um, it's one thing to be a great player. It's another thing to make everybody else around you better. Uh, and those are two different things. And it takes a really unique person to be able to create that. Um, and I think when you turn on the film and you watch on Saturdays and you see what Matt does, uh, of course, he's a great player. Uh, of course he shows up and he makes big plays and big moments all the time. But then you see what happens to the people around him when they rise up and they make big plays. It's a team effort, and, and I think that's one of the things that stands out to me about Matt's leadership. Yeah, Matt, I'll give you the floor before we move on to some football stuff. We're here to put an end to childhood cancer. Talked about the thousands of families that are affected by this thing, and they're fighting. The children out there, they're fighting as well. What are some things you've learned from going to battle weekends on end that may help them keep pushing? I think, you know, the first thing is trust. Um, you know, trust what you just trust everything moving forward, you know, trust the doctors, you know, trust your family, trust the people around you. Um, you know, they always want, they always have your best interest in mind. Um, and you know, for me, it's, you know, trusting the coaches, trusting my family, trusting my other teammates. Um, so I think trust is number one and then being positive is number two. Um, you know, just going out there with a smile every day and always just, you know, uplifting everyone else around you is, is definitely, um, you know, it's the role of a the captain and role of a team trust and you know be positive those are really good ones and i think there are so many parallels between sport and pretty much everything else in life you talked about trust you have to put all of your trust in your coaches that they present to you the best game plan and children fighting cancer have to put their trust that their doctors have put together the same game plan. So I like that one. I think it's really applicable. Hey, Matt, let's talk some ball. You guys are six and four. That's the record you guys boast right now. Two of them, though, FBS opponents. And in those games, you guys have lost by a combined six points. From my perspective, it's, it's not fun to watch. It's tough, especially last week. You guys coming back against an Army team, an Army team playing in West Point, come back. Even the scoreline ended up losing that game by only three. It's been an up and down season for you guys with a lot still on the horizon. Trust me, if you guys had to give it a grade, if, if Matthew Saluka had to give the Holy Cross Crusaders a grade for their performance this season, where are you going, A through F? Um, I'd probably give us like around a B. I'd say, you know, it's tough to compare to last year. Last year, you know, we went undefeated, so that's got to be an A. 
at that point. Um, so I think just, you know, realizing that we've been through a lot of injury, um, you know, we're a really tough team and we will fight every game. You know, we're going to play a whole 60 minutes. You know, we'll never shy away from that. Every day we come out to practice, ready to work, ready to go. Um, so overall, just really proud of the guys, um, you know, to overcome a lot of the things we've been through this season. Um, so, yeah, I think just, you know, keeping the keeping those games close and uh, just giving it our all gives us a B. All right, man, this is a little bit giving his boys a B and yourself personally. Now, now hang with me, audience, hang with me, boys, as I go through the laundry list of accolades, statistics that Matthew Saluka has in his back pocket, eighth in the country in rushing yards. Yes, rushing yards. You heard that right. He plays quarterback, eighth in the country in rushing yards. When I was looking at that list earlier this week, prepping for our, our chit-chat guys, there are guys under you on that list who consider themselves bona fide running backs and you're the only quarterback on that list up that high top 10 in rushing yards per game a ridiculous feat you've thrown for over 1600 yards you've rushed for a thousand on the ground time to grade yourself a through f what you got um i keep it consistent with another b um back to back b's yeah i think there's a i think there's a lot of i think there's improvement um you know to be made a couple you know a couple interceptions i've thrown a couple of fumbles that i could have you know could help me put me in that a category if those didn't happen but you know i think there's been a lot of good plays and a lot of success i've had um, and obviously, you know, being number eight in the country, which I didn't even know uh, for rushing yard, um, you know, that's a pretty good, you know, pretty good number at that point. Um, so, yeah, I think the you keep it consistent with it be. The season's not even over and you've rushed for a thousand yards. I'll, I'll tell you straight up. It's ridiculous. Uh, with one to go, one left on the schedule, you guys are bringing Georgetown into your guys's place. It's senior day. So big for you, I'd imagine, which we'll get to. But what's the goal for you guys as a team with one left in the chamber? Um, I think it's just, you know, it goes to our team like kind of chemistry and you're kind of, you know, what we've been doing all season, just finish hard, Um, you know, give it everything we got, play for those brothers around you. Um, You know, it's the last game realistically um, that's scheduled for us and, you know, could be potentially our last game, you know, as a Holy Cross for my Holy Cross career. Um, So at that point, um, you know, just give everything I possibly have, you know, play for the person next to you, trust what's happening and just enjoy it, you know, smile a little bit, you know, take that pressure off and just appreciate everything that's been done in the past and, uh, you know, get a win. Has the lead up to game day been a little different this week, knowing that it's senior day, knowing that some of the brothers that you've come to know and love, this may be the last two raw for you guys. Does it pack a little extra punch? I think a little bit. Um, you know, it was definitely, you know, one of the kids on our team wrote on his back plate, cherish it. Um, and so that was just one thing, you know, everyone, you know, else sees him running around and has cherish it on his back. It just, you know, puts a little smile on your face and just reminds you, you know, what we're truly here for. Um, at the end of the day, you know, football is going to end, but that brotherhood will last forever. Um, so, you know, just enjoying it with those guys and just, you know, giving everything we got. One of your closest brothers, I'd imagine he shares the backfield with you, Jordan Fuller. Talk a little bit about him, what he means to you individually and what he means to the football team. Yeah, I mean, Jordan's a great person, you know, just number one. I mean, since he's been here his freshman year, I've been really close with Jordan, um, and it's been great to see his development over the years. I think this year he's taken a a huge step up um, in his game, but just as a person, he's unbelievable. I mean, everything he does is top-notch, you know, great class, everything. He runs hard, puts every, spends so much time with film, does everything correct, and every guy loves him on the team. So it's just, you know, there's nothing bad to say about Jordan um, and everything. I wish him the best of luck in the future. And for those of you guys who don't know who Jordan Fuller is, uh, go find out who he is. He looks like Mr. Olympia. He, he looks like he benches 7,000 pounds um, for reps and sets of three. So Jordan Fuller, ridiculous. Another guy, fifth-year senior, who will be, I can't say looking forward to senior day because it's a tough time, but will be involved in senior day. And I'd imagine 
imagine he'd have the same answer as you. It does pack a, a little bit extra of a punch. Mr. Jacob Dobbs, he leads you guys on defense. Same question for him. What does he mean to you personally and the Holy Cross football team? Um, Yeah, Dobbs means a lot to me. Um, You know, that's an older brother. That's a mentor. He came here before me. He kind of showed me the ropes. He took me under his wing. Um, from the moment I got here on my visit, I was partnered up with Dobbs. Um, you know, so it was just really from day one, he's been there for me. Every single, if I ever have a problem in my life, you know, the first person I'm going to is Dobbs. Uh, he's just, in every way, he's a great person. He does everything correct just as well. I mean, from the academics to football to going back to the community, there's just everything that, you know, Dobbs does is is perfect at the end of the day. Um, and so, yeah, Dobbs means a lot. He's He's... You know, he's had a big impact in my life, and I'm forever grateful for him. Grateful for Mr. Jacob Dobbs, says Matthew Saluka. Having a chat here with Mr. Joe Fine, the Growth and Development Director at Northwestern Mutual Boston. Talking a little bit of ball here with the quarterback at Holy Cross. All right, last but not least of the names that I'm going to mention, because Jordan, you're running back. He's a junior. He's got another one to go. He's lucky enough. But Jalen Coker, alongside you and Jacob, isn't as lucky to be sporting the purple for an extra year. This is your wide receiver. This is your go-to guy. I think Jalen has potential to play ball at the next level and get paid to do so. Do you share those same feelings? And again, third time's the charm. What does he mean to this football team? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jay to me is, I mean, like I said, he means a lot as well, just as much as Jordan, just as much as Dives. Um, you know, I have a unique relationship with Jalen because I've been able to play with him for so long now. And when we both came in, you know, we were on scout team together, um, just I've told that story, you know, countless of times, but, you know, just being able to come in there as two athletes, I wouldn't say football players, just two athletes and learn the game together. Um, you know, I've spent so many hours with him just one-on-one, -on -one, you know, working on our craft and he's ready for that next level. I mean, what he does on the field is unbelievable. I don't think there's another receiver in the FCS, honestly, in the country that compares to Jalen. I mean, he goes up there, he gets it. it it's, we say 50-50 jump balls aren't 50-50 with Jalen Coker, you know, find him and throw him the football. <laughs> Um, so at that point, you know, he does what he does. Everyone sees it on Saturdays. Um, and he's just an unbelievable person as well. I mean, he's, you know, he leads, um, the community working for Worcester. Um, you know, it, it's a building, they go back and they help build the community. Um, so he's, you know, a leader in that he just gave a presentation the other day. Um, you know, overall, just a great person. And like I said, I'm a great football player, great person, and just a great teammate. Joe, you played ball at, uh, Bryant. That is your alma mater. Which one of the three guys that I mentioned would you least want to see across from you? Is it Matthew Saluka? Is it Jalen Coker, Jordan Fuller, or, or Jacob Dobbs in a spot like this? Which one's the scariest? Uh, Jacob Dobbs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I was an I-formation fullback at Bryant, and we ran a lot of ISO. And uh, that would have been me and him in the A-gap. And I'm you know, i I'm okay being a, a washed-up old retired guy when I look at him <laughs> across the line. Yeah, Jacob Dobbs is a menace. Matt, correct me if I'm wrong. Was he involved in that goal line stop uh, against Army last week? Um, unfortunately, he was not. Jacob has been dealing with it a little bit, uh, so he wasn't in on that one. Um, but, you know, we should be lucky enough to have him back this week um, ready to go. So Nasty clip. Nasty clip. Fourth and goal on the goal line. I give that credit to Frankie Monte and, uh, Frankie Monte and Dante Bolden. They were there for that stop and unbelievable play. Yeah, last year, Matt, you guys kicked the door down. I'll say that's how I would describe it 
and, and made your guys' presence felt in the playoffs last year. Ended up giving South Dakota State all they could handle. Why should Holy Cross be back in the playoffs in 2023? Your name's getting thrown out there. Uh, parlay it with the word bubble. So some controversy right now, but make your pitch on why the Crusaders deserve to be in the playoffs this year. Um, I would say just over the years, we've had, you know, great success. Constantly making improvements every year after year um, in the playoffs. You know, every year we've been in it the last couple of years, we've gone a little bit deeper. Um, and we've had a little bit of a better team. You know, this year we've had a couple injuries and a couple of things we've had to deal with. But as a whole, I think when you look at the film, you see that, you know, we're a team who's going to fight hard and we have the, you know, we have the chance to, I mean, I'm going to say upset because we're on that bubble at that point, but upset really anybody. Um, I don't think there's a team, you know, in the country that really would want to play us at the end of the day. Um, and so, you know, I think we're still a team that, you know, can make a run. Yeah, I wanted to dive deeper into the matchup against South Dakota State that I mentioned last postseason, a tight one. You guys more than looked like you belonged. Uh, there were points in the game where could have taken control, right? We get asked this question a lot here at FCS Nation Radio. Nobody better to answer it than a signal caller for the Crusaders. Matt, what would you say the differences between Patriot League opponents and South Dakota State who plays in the Valley? Um... You know, I would say there's difficulties to both. Um, I think, you know, Patriot League, I think the top of the Patriot League um, could run with a lot of teams in the country. Um, I don't think there's a huge step from there. I think South Dakota State, definitely, when you get into it up front and in the trenches, you know, they have a lot bigger guys, um, you know, more guys to pull from. I think their commitment to the team of being there for five, six years um, and those guys kind of staying home, playing in their system definitely gives them, um, you know, a, a little bit of a step. But I think, the, you know, just constantly playing the Patriot League teams year after year, um, you know, it's tough. It's tough to play teams, you know, every single year. Their coaches know their system, you know, they're, they they know how to scout. Um, and so I think there's definitely difficulties to both. But I think when you get into it, I think really just between, you know, in the trenches is when when it makes a difference. Love to hear it. And I'll co-sign on all of that. Hey, you guys played Lafayette a few weeks ago. And Matt, you rushed for 333 yards. It's not a typo. I'm reading it correctly. Uh, the most ever by Division One quarterback at either the FBS or FCS level. Who gets that credit, though? Is it mom and dad? passing along the good genes is it the big hogs up front your offensive coordinator who takes the cake i mean gotta give it to the big boys up front have I mean, to it comes down to it the coaches can call whatever play is my own dad can give whatever genetics but <laughs> the, if those big boys aren't blocking up front and those you know the running backs the receivers the tight ends especially um you know if those guys aren't doing their job i'm not going anywhere so at the end of the day you know i give them all the credit i always will and you know i thank those big boys every single day for protecting me Joe, he went the safe route. You know, you got to keep the big boys happy up front. It's just what you got to do, what you got to do. Yep. Matt, I agree with it wholeheartedly. Uh, Joe, the charisma that this kid has, the results that he's put on display for the entire subdivision, everybody who follows it to see what's said about him in every single postgame press conference, every random Twitter person out there. It's all good things. Coaches shows, every media group who covers the FCS nation. For me and Kev, Kev's up in Montana. I'm down here in Florida. We hear the same damn things about Mr. Saluka. We talked a little bit earlier about what he means to the community and everything, but for Crusader Nation, you talked about him being the face as well. Is there anything that you think you missed? And is there anything that's kind of coming up when you hear Matthew talk tonight? Yeah, uh, I would say, you know, as we think about our connection with FCS Nation and with Holy Cross and with our internship program here at Northwestern Mutual, I think just sitting here and hearing Matt talk about the people around him um, and how much he appreciates what they do. And he just comes off as a guy who doesn't take all of the credit. 
Um, he comes off as a guy who takes the blame when it's there, but passes off the credit along to the people around him when things are going really well, like his offensive line when he rushes for 500 yards or whatever that number was. Um, and so that is really some of what we believe in when it comes to building our program in the internship, right? We want to surround ourselves and recruit and bring in people who care about other people around them, who are good people, who are willing to work hard um, and give back and help the community. Right. And that's really the most important piece of working at Northwestern Mutual and being a part of our internship program is we help people all over the country. Right. And we want to give back and want to have empathy for the people around us and want to be part of a really great team. And I think just hearing Matt talk through his viewpoints on his teammates and his coaches, we can't have, think of a better person to represent what we're doing and what we're building. I could not have said it any better. That right there was gold. Joe, your future employer, Matt, is going to love your selflessness. I've picked it up in just a 10, 15-minute sit-down with you. Glad we're finally doing this. Glad you're a part of this because what you are a part of right now, the fight against childhood cancer, is something that tens of thousands of families around the country are dealing with. We kind of hit on that earlier. It speaks to bigger things that we have going on, just to have a hand in it, right? To have the ability to use your power, not just the one you use to throw the football, but the power in which your words have off of the field. What does it mean to be a part of something like this, something this major? When you talk to mom and dad, I don't know if you've relayed the information. You guys said, hey, I'm doing this thing. I'm help putting a stop to childhood cancer. What uh, what stands out to you? Why does this mean so much? Yeah, I mean, like I said before, it's just an unbelievable experience. You know, I never really thought I'd have the platform or, you know, the presence to really, you know, make change like that. And so just being able to do my part, um, you know, make a, have a voice in the community, um, you know, try and raise some money. Um, you know, give back and just, you know, trying to end this fight against childhood cancer. I mean, nobody wants to, you know, see families deal with that. No one wants to go through that. Um, and so, you know, just to pass it on to the younger generations and, you know, do my part. It's just been a great experience and I'm really grateful. And Joe, when you touched on this partnership uh, a second ago, all of the things that Northwestern Mutual brings to the table, one of them being your guys' internship program. I mean, just the number of people who have come through that successfully, a lot of them former athletes. When you're around campuses, though, Joe, up the, up north, are, are these the types of people you're looking for when searching for your guys' future at NM? Absolutely, right? And when you think about what we've done and what we've built and what we're continuing to build, right? We're, we're a top 10 internship program year after year. Um, and the reason for that is the people, right? And, and the people that we surround ourselves with, the people that we bring in to to our communities, with you know near our offices, we have several here in Massachusetts. Um, but it's the people who build the culture, and it's the culture that creates that repeated track record of success that we've had in our internship program with really creating and launching really successful financial advising businesses. Um, and it starts with the people in the culture, um, and Matt is a great representation of that. Yeah, the internship program. He talked about it being top ten. Uh, that's an understatement. I, I know that's what the statistics say, but whether it's been Joe. Whether it's been Chris Shankle up there in Sioux Falls, anytime I hear something about the internship program, it's just talked about in a light unlike anything that I've ever heard before. So shouts to Northwestern Mutual, what they have going there. And everybody who's been a part of our honorary captain of the week segment all season long. Like I said, this is the week 12 edition. And what we've implemented is something that I could not wait to touch on. I, me and Joe have had this conversation before. We're going to introduce it to you, Matt. This is how we're fundraising. We, we've built it around a competition. We want one athlete to raise the most money. And whoever raises the most money gets the ultimate prize. I kind of want to get into us three and how competitive we are. Matt, I'll start with you. Is this something that gets your juices flowing on that you can beat other athletes uh, around the country in something like raising money and putting an end to something like this? How competitive of a person are you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm so competitive to the point where it's almost out of fault. Um, <laughs> but everything I do, I try and win, um, you know, in practice, in the game. 
you know, in school, it doesn't matter. I'm trying to win. Um, you know, winning solves a lot of problems. And so just being able to compete against other kids um, and raising money and trying to make a difference, you know, I'm definitely going to take full advantage of that and try and try my best to win. And Joe, why did we implement this? Like, why do we feel like it was important to make these athletes kind of pin their fan bases up against each other and see who can raise the most uh, cheddar? Look, we, we have a, a great competitive group of student athletes um, who have great followings and great fan bases. I know that the, the Holy Cross community and Crusader Nation is, is very active uh, with a lot of folks all around the country rooting and cheering for them. You know, there's winning and there's being competitive and then there's winning against the fight against childhood cancer, right? And that's really what we're going for is the big win, right? It's a great competition and we're going to raise a lot of money. And the ultimate goal is to create a lot of awareness um, and, you know, go to bat and fight childhood cancer the best we can. All right, Matt, now the floor is yours. You need to call out your fan base because I know you talked about how competitive you were, but you want to get the most money donated to you. You want to win the ultimate prize, but most importantly, you want to put an end to childhood cancer. Where can our audience go to help make a change? Yeah, to make a change, check out FCS Nation Radio. Um, um, you know, look at the right hand of the screen. You're going to see a drop down menu for Alex's Lemonade Stand. Um, you can be able to click on my name right there, um, you know, and donate. You guys know Holy Cross community. You guys know how kind of competitive I am. You guys know how competitive each of you are. Um, and so let's make a difference. Let's make some change. And, uh, you know, let's put myself at number one overall. And, uh, you know, let's fight this battle against childhood cancer. So once again, check out FCS Nation Radio on the right hand of the screen. And uh, let's go win. Right there. And Joe, there are other ways that we're fundraising as well. I know we've had this conversation about getting Matt, his big boys up front, because he knows, and, and trust me, any football player, coach knows that those big boys got to get fed if they're going to block for their quarterback and getting his entire team involved, whether it's at an event trying to raise money. What do you guys have planned or what is something in store that you have implemented for Crusader Nation and the football team? Look, we, we have some big things coming down at Holy Cross and, and, and really um, this relationship uh, with Matt has been terrific and we're going to put something big on for the team and for the community down there. Um, and hopefully this is the first of many, right? The, the goal is to, to keep doing this year after year and keep raising money and keep doing great things for the community and the people. Um, so this is a great starting point and we'll keep building off it as we go. I love it. Hey, Matthew and Holy Cross are inviting Georgetown to their place. It's a noon kick. Obviously this Saturday, ESPN Plus is where you can catch it. Matt, you've obviously broken down tape all week long. Do you like your boys this weekend? Absolutely. I always ride with the boys. Is there anything on tape that you've seen that you feel like, yeah, I'm going to exploit that? Are you going to do it on with your legs this weekend or with the arm? Are you going to kind of keep it balanced like you have all season long? Yeah, let's hopefully keep it balanced. Okay. You know, a couple carries last week, so, you know, let's, let's see what we can do again um you know hopefully throw it around a little bit run it around a little bit hopefully the weather uh, up here in massachusetts is uh you know pretty good so we can uh we can do that and it'll be a great day with the win over georgetown they go to seven and four i'm gonna go on record right now and say this holy cross team deserves to be in the playoffs if anybody from the committee is hearing this if fcs nation out there who's kind of on the fence well go ahead tap in watch them play georgetown and you'll kind of see why i stand where i stand four and one in the patriot league right now two and two in home so looking to make that positive matthew i wish you the best of luck but most important Importantly, thank you so much for giving the show some time this week. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the luck. And, uh, you know, let's keep making a difference. And Joe, let me get a score prediction. Matt, close your ears. What you got, Joe? Oh, we're going uh, 31-10, Holy Cross. Ooh, okay. Okay, a little 21-point margin of victory. I can get behind that. I'll co-sign that, actually. 31-10, Holy Cross gets it done. Joe, thank you so much for joining the show for the second time this week. Darnell Schillingford, phenomenal in the trenches for Bryant. He was awesome. He's raised a good amount of money. And Matthew will as well. Joe, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having us, Stone. We appreciate you. We appreciate FCS Nation. Yes, like Joe said, you're listening to FCS Nation. Stick with us during the break when we get back it's the pick segment folks we've been cashing in all season long and we look to do more of that and now i gotta change my prediction that i had written down for holy cross and georgetown going 31 10 with joe thank you boys 
Thanks for hanging with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Now time for our favorite time of the week, the last pick segment of the regular season. Stone Lebanowitz, let's finish strong. Been a good run for us so far. One more mile to go in the regular season. Missouri State's at number one, South Dakota State. Yeah, Jack Roberts win this game 38-14. You're looking at a team who has their eyes set on going back-to-back, being national champions again. I love them here. I'll repeat it one more time for the folks out there looking to make some cheddar. 38-14. No worries here for the number one team in the nation. Take number one, South Dakota State at home over Missouri State, 42-10. Number two, Montana State's at number three, Montana in the Brawl of the Wild. I will be there. I'll be straight up with you. I had no idea who to pick on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and here we are. I got no clue who's going to win this game, but willing to go on record, stick my neck out there and go Montana Grizzlies, baby, 34-30. Here's why. There are parallels between Montana and Idaho. I bring up Idaho because Idaho was victorious over Montana State, and why is that? Well, it had everything to do with their offense. Giovanni McCoy can score. Clifton McDowell can score. They both kind of share a lot of similarities, a lot of mannerisms. If you're Hauk, you copy and paste that tape, put it on display here. Excited to watch this one. Appointment television, 34-30. Give me the Grizz. Not me, sir. Not me. The Grizz are ranked higher in other polls. Not ours, but others. But Montana State has a better offensive line, and they know how to take advantage of Montana's aggressive 3-3-5 defense when they're running the football, particularly. I believe this game looks a lot like last year's in a lot of ways. The score will be closer, though. The Clifton McDowell effect. But take the number two Bobcats on the road over number three Montana, 30-27. to Number four, Furman is at Walford. Lickety split. Furman gets this thing done, 42-7. Just coast on by. Get ready for the playoffs, baby. Not much to see here. The Paladins going to close out the regular season with a big win on the road over the short-haired dogs. Number four, Furman wins, 42-7. Number five, South Dakota is at Western Illinois. Here's my staple scoreline for some of these lopsided matchups. They'll be favored by damn near 30 here. I like them, 55-7. Last ever Missouri Valley Football Conference game for the Leathernecks, and it won't be one they want to remember. Take number five, South Dakota on the road over Western Illinois, 27-3. Monmouth is at number six, Albany. This game's going to be decided in the fourth quarter. I, I got the Great Danes squeaking out of this one, 28-21. Good test here for the Albany defense. We all know Monmouth can score, but the Great Danes defense is outstanding. They'll make all the difference. Take number six, Albany at home over Monmouth, 31-16. Idaho State's at Idaho in the Battle of Domes. Listen, I want blood. I want points. I want animosity being shown out there in between the white lines. Again, this is another one that I, I'll call appointment television. I, I think straight up that's how i feel about it uh i got idaho winning this game 42 34 i said it earlier in the preview segment i think this is a beautiful bounce back spot you get back on track gear it for the playoffs i like the vandals here idaho's not looked good the last two weeks and the bengals are much improved and there's a difference between that squad this year and last year this year they'll fight you stone i like their edge speaking of idaho state i expect this one to be close for a long while but idaho will wear them out late take number seven idaho at home over idaho state 34 24 number 13 villanova is at number eight delaware this one's hard to pick but i think we're both going delaware i think we both have to go delaware uh excited to see what kind of fight villanova can put up how awkward they can make this thing but blue hands 28 24 villanova comes into this one under the radar which is hard to believe when they're eight and two right and delaware well they've gotten a lot of hype i don't normally buy into the hype but 
I've been riding with the fighting blue hens for a minute, and I'm not one to get out of the car. Take number eight, Delaware, at home over number 13, Villanova, 28-27. Number nine, Western Carolina is at Virginia Military Institute. 55-7. Western Carolina is playing really good football right now. I-, I talked about it earlier in the previous segment as well. Talked about them having the switch turned on early, and then it was off, and I think it was back on. They got out of that rut last week. Cole Gonzalez is in rhythm. I, I think the Catamounts crew is here. That's how my shirt's going to be at the Brawl of the Wild this week. On off and then back on again, I think, because it's going to be chilly. Uh, Catamounts quarterback Cole Gonzalez has a day here, y'all. VMI doesn't have the pass defense to stop him, so you should take number nine, Western Carolina on the road over VMI, 38-10. Delaware State's at number 10, North Carolina Central. Hey, listen, I don't think Davis Richards comes out of this game. I I think they blow out Delaware State 42-10. I think he finds pay dirt two different ways, but five times. We love the Eagles. We've been high in North Carolina Central the entire season. I think higher than most. Everybody around the country has finally come around to these guys. They got a lot to play for, but what you're preaching here is control what you can control. Uh, we control our destiny, and there are some other games out there that coaching staff will be paying attention to that we don't want you guys paying attention to. So just go out there and play football, line it up, and smack them around. And that's what they'll do. Again, 42-10. This is going to get ugly early. Central's madder than the snake that married the garden hose, and they take it out on Delaware State. Number 10, North Carolina Central wins 52-10. Number 11, Sacramento State is at UC Davis. This is going to be straight tutties, no field goals, 42-35, the way of Sac State. I think the Hornets have found something uh, in Mr. Carson Conklin. I'm excited to see them put it on display back-to-back weeks, 42-35. I thought we all overrated Sacramento State all season. I'm sticking with that. This is my upset special of the week. Take UC Davis on the road over number 11, Sac State, 31 Number 12, Chattanooga is at Alabama. My prediction in this one is pain. Let's just move right along, Stone. Illinois State is at number 14, North Dakota. This game right here is hard to pick. No matter who you are, what you know, I don't even care if you're inside the building and both of these squads, you really cannot predict this result. I'm going to take a chance here with Illinois State. 28-20 the finish over UND. I just think there are too many question marks with the Fighting Hawks. They haven't been able to get back into an offensive rhythm they had in the first month of the season, maybe the first four or five weeks. They've dropped off. They've lost it. Tommy Schuster, when he plays well, North Dakota wins. And I think this is going to be one of those weeks where he does, and it's in Grand Forks. So take number 14, North Dakota over Illinois State, 30-28. to Number 15, North Dakota State is at number 18, Northern Iowa. I'm just curious what side you're going here based off the preview segment I think you lean you and I which confuses me makes me step back a little bit but I'm going with my gut I like North Dakota State by at least double digits here I think Cam Miller what we saw last week was taking shots down the field he understands that he's got to prove to the rest of the country that this team can contend for a national championship 35-17 it's Panthers for dinner baby not me sir I just think this North Dakota State team is, is what they are man they can cook all they want they don't have the ingredients that they normally have Stone they just don't have it. And you can't just go to the grocery store and buy them ingredients. They just don't have it this year. <laughs> and Northern Iowa looked awful last week, which if you follow them means they'll look like an NFL team this week. Upset special of the week number two. Take number 18, Northern Iowa at home. Over number 15, North Dakota State, 31-27. Number 24, Central Arkansas is at number 19, Austin P. I I think Austin P. wins this game. 28-24 over the Bears. Give me Austin P. The Govs over Central Arkansas. 24-17. Richmond, is that William & Mary in the Capital Cup? I'm sticking with the Spiders here. 27-24, and what's a really good ball game? We have a fine affiliate ESPN Radio there in Richmond, so hello, Richmond. I'm going to pick your boys, your Spiders, this week to win the Capital Cup on the road over William & Mary, 21-20. to 
That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is co-hosted and produced by Mr. Stone Labanowitz. I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall, thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. And like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody. <laughs>